Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network invite you to discover your mission. A brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month, you will receive a personal monthly mission, including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash Patchwork Heart Ministry today. The St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation, in partnership with Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network, present a podcast for divorced and separated Catholics. Hello and welcome to a podcast from the St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. My name is Anna Santos. I'm the director, joined here by the vice president of the St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation, Rose Sweet. Rose Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. I love our monthly get-togethers, and um, it's it's fun, and and we have a good time. But we also tackle some tough and important topics too, don't we? We do, we do. And I should also mention that since our foundation has a couple different series going, we have one that's for divorced and separated Catholics, and then we have another one for families in crisis. So this one is our 12 part series on 12 steps to divorce healing. And the topic for this one for February is avoiding the disasters of dating and a talk about the fact that desire is good. And we'll, we'll talk a lot about that. So Rose has 10 tips for uh, on the topic of dating. Yeah. How to avoid the disasters. Mm-hmm. You know, dating is uh, dating is delicate. Um, there's a lot of passion and there's a lot of desire that is behind that. And we need to know who we are and where we're going and, and what to do and what not to do. So we're here to help. That's right. We're all about helping you wherever you are in your healing, whether it's before, during, or after a divorce. And as we know, as Catholics, you, the ultimate, uh, honestly, or uh, I guess uh, when we think about it, the sacrament of matrimony is a beautiful sacrament, but we also live in a world of sin. We also live in a world that isn't perfect, right? And we live in a world that sometimes relationships do end, uh, not that we wish them to, but that's why we're here to let you know that we care and that wherever you are on that healing path, uh, the St. Raymond Anonis Foundation and Rose Sweet is, we're both here for you. Thank you. So why don't we dive into uh, the, our 10 tips to avoiding dating disasters. Does that sound good? Um, I know that after my divorce, I was anxious and needy and longing to be loved and to have a family again. And all those compulsions, as good as those desires were, drove me you know, it to make really bad and sinful choices. And then you rationalize them, you know, Jesus loves me. So I'm not that bad. And just all that to say, I've been there and I totally understand. So number one of our 10 tips is if you are thinking about dating, begin with the end in mind. And this is one of the seven habits of highly effective people from Stephen Covey's book, I think back in the late eighties or early nineties. And I, and I forgot what the other six habits were, but I'll never forget this one. Don't set out in a direction unless you know exactly where you want to go and who you are and what your strengths and what your weaknesses are. Who are you? First of all, after a divorce, this is a time to really take stock in, you know, I'm, a, I'm made in the image and likeness of God. I am created by him for him. And I'm hopefully headed back to eternity with him. In fact, I don't even wait till my death to be with him. He, draw, he draws me in and woos me into union with him right here on earth. So that's who I am. Do I really need to date? Do I really want to date? Do I not want to date? What is dating all about? So those are the big picture questions that we have to begin with. Ask, stop and talk to somebody about that. Pray about it. Read about it. 
Don't just go out on a date when you haven't even thought about it. Number two, get your annulment. We have done programs on annulment before. I've written on it um, and you've talked about it as well. We in the Catholic Church presume that whenever a man and woman stand at the altar or wherever they stood, even sometimes in a wedding chapel in Las Vegas, if they intended the kind of bond that natural or sacramental marriage is for life, fidelity, open to kids, then that marriage bond can't be broken, not by civil divorce. Not, it can't. But we also understand that some people go to the altar not really 100% in, or they believe they want to be in, but they don't have the capacity. There's some big, serious issue in the way. So there's lots of reasons why, after a thorough examination, the church can come alongside you and say, look, we took a look at your marriage, and it appears there's plenty of evidence that there was something so wrong with it in the beginning that a real marriage bond never took place. A civil bond took place, a mortgage bond, a parental bond, sexual bonds, social bonds, lots of important and beautiful bonds, but not a real marriage bond. So again, that's a hot topic worthy of a full weekend seminar to really get into it. So, but you, if you don't have an annulment, if you've been civilly divorced and have not gone to the church and said, help me take a look at this, you're married. You don't have to feel married. He or she could have moved on, married somebody else and had 10 kids with somebody else. But that marriage bond is still there until it can be proved that it never was there in the first place. That's kind of like, and you've bought, we've talked about this before. Thank you. You and your husband have bought a house many times, right? More than once. Yes, twice. Yeah. Okay. So, so when you buy the house and you decide you don't like the house anymore, and you pack up your stuff and move out and go somewhere else, you still owe the debt on that house to the bank. You made a contract just because you don't feel like it's your house anymore. And, and you may not even physically be in the house anymore. It's still your house and you have a debt to pay. You have an obligation that you made before God when it comes to marriage. That's what annulment does. Annulment helps to release you from any obligations that you would otherwise have. So sometimes I hear people say, well, I went to my priest and he said um, it was okay to date, you know, as long as we didn't have sex. And, you know, I, he knows I just want to feel happy again. And I'm sorry, but even at the local parish, you can get the wrong advice. And it's not because people are trying to mess you up. It's because people's hearts are broken for you. Most people, priests and other leaders in the church, we long to help everybody be happy. Mm. But ultimate happiness comes with holiness. And a good leader in the church will tell you the difficult thing and cry with you and listen to you complain and whine about it and just love you anyway and say, go higher go higher. That's what, we, that's what we here at the St. Raymond and Otis Foundation do. That is our prin guiding principle. We mm -hmm. want you to be free of any captivity of sin. We want you to have the full freedom that Christ promises to you in marriage, out of marriage. It doesn't matter wherever you are in life. Yeah. So get your annulment. Don't date. Do not date. And we'll talk about why you shouldn't do that in the next tips. So are you still with me? Anna? I am. I am. I'm listening intently. And I'm glad you brought up the annulment piece because it is such an important thing. And that we as Catholics specifically, right? Because Christians and non-Christian, you know, non-religious people can get divorced, but it's different for us as Catholics with this whole idea of getting the annulment uh, if that marriage is indeed over. And it's not just a hoop we run through. It's because we believe that the marriage bond really images that unbreakable bond that God, that Jesus gives to his bride, the church. He will not leave us or forsake us. So it's complex. Um, find out more about it. It's good. It's not just a rigid rule. It's absolutely beautiful and, and, and good. Number three, 
take your emotional temperature. You know, sometimes I train speakers uh, to tell their stories. Um, this is part of the work that I do. And one of the rules is if you can't get up and tell your story and, 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 and you're still bursting into tears uncontrollably, you're not ready to tell your story. So this is same with dating. If you are still depressed or weepy or anxious and, and you don't like to be alone and you're panicking because you have nowhere to go on Friday night and you just need to go out with somebody, you're not ready to date. That means you're going to use that other person like a Band-Aid or a drug, something to make you feel less anxious and happy for the moment. And you don't want to reduce people to objects. So take your emotional temperature. Has it been enough time for you to grieve the loss of the marriage and to get your affairs in order and to find peace and to get on your feet and to have, this is important, a rich, full life without a spouse. If you believe that you can't be happy without a spouse, you're already on the road to addiction and anxiety. You've already set yourself up. I can never be happy unless I find a man or a woman. And off you go. And your judgment's going to be clouded from day one. So here's what I say. Be willing to be alone for the rest of your life. It's a hard thing. But if you can move to that place, Lord, I want to live a beautiful life, a holy life with my family, my friends, my kids, my coworkers. I want to go on vacations and I work at the soup kitchen and you can really and truly, you should have such a full life that you don't even need to think about somebody else. That being said, when you're at that point, then you can make room. That's a good, healthy place to make room for a new relationship. Number four, take your time. I work with people in the annulment process whose marriages have failed miserably and maybe they, they were horribly difficult for the entire time. Even during dating, there were big problems. And I see this pattern when there were rushed engagements, when they, they were all happy, oh, we love each other and we were both Catholic and we love father so-and-so and we both want a lot of kids and, and they get engaged in a few months and then married right after that. They crash and burn a lot of times down the road because there's a lot of stuff they still didn't know about each other. So take your time. The chances of a divorced person dating again and getting married again and having another divorce are high. The statistics vary, but it's anywhere from 70 to 80% chance of another divorce. And that is usually because they don't take the time to look at their own self, to learn from the past. And, and you know, they're rushing, they're, they're anxious. So I don't want you to go through another divorce and I don't think you do either. So don't rush. So that leads to number five, learn from your past. Now, Anne, I'm gonna ask you a question. Mm -hmm. If you were divorced and you came to me and I said, what did your husband always complain about you? What did he always oh, say? That he, he didn't like you. <laughs> you know, so you don't even have to be divorced to know that, right? Do I have to answer? <laughs> well, no, you don't. But the fact that you're laughing tells me there are already some ten tensions and struggles because every relationship has those, right? Every marriage. Yes. So right before you jump into another relationship, what mistakes did you make? what did you do wrong last time? What would your spouse say that you did wrong or where you are weak or selfish? Um, and work on, you know, go to a priest and go to confession and then get, get, get a coach, get a therapist, a spiritual director, learn from your mistakes and change and become holier and healthier emotionally. What would your family say about you? What would your friends say about you? I'm sure everybody has something to say about the other person, but what would your close people say about you? And, and listen to that, learn from your past. Don't bring the baggage in, into the, your next relationship. If I could interrupt, I, I think that they're great questions. And sometimes it takes a lot of humility to ask those questions to ourselves 
and even to ask them to the people closest to us. It they really are. It, it takes a lot of humility. I know that I've tried it before. I don't know when and why I did it, but I know that I did it in the last year. And I was afraid at first. I thought, oh, what are they going to say? You know, but um, it's a great thing because the, what they usually tell you, I think what I learned is that it's not as bad as it seems, you know, like we're afraid. I think that the person that you're asking that question to knows how hard that question is. And so they, a lot of times they're a little quote easier on you than you think, you know, you think they're going to say something about something that you know about yourself that drive, drives you crazy, right? That you, that you do. Right. But right. No, it is. And, and that's the thing. People will still love you. You know, I can, I can say to my husband, I can point out a fault of his and it, it doesn't mean I stop loving him. I still love him. And since I don't have any faults, he doesn't point them out to me. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> now he he's, he's very willing to, to remind me of the, of my weaknesses and I have to not be defensive and go, okay, you're right. You're right. That's the sign of maturity and people, especially who've been through divorce, you know, what a, what a trauma and what a pain it is to be in a bad relationship, a bad marriage, please do everything you can to not do that. Again, the odds of you just moving on. In my day, it was like John Wayne, you just get back up in the saddle and you ride off into the sunset uh, and you repeat the same horrible things. So yeah, ask. And, and if you have, we, you know, we're women talking here today. If you have girlfriends who always tell you what you want to hear, get some new girlfriends. I mean, get somebody who will be honest with you and go, yeah, you know what? Don't buy that. Cause you do, you do look fat in that. That's the kind of friend I want. Cause I know she yeah. loves me. I know she loves me. And then when she does say that looks fabulous on you, I know it does. So yeah, trust is important. It's important really, in marriage and it's important in life and in friendship. Exactly. So we've done, uh, let's see, let's just recount the first uh, five that we've done. Begin with the end in mind, get your annulment, take your emotional temperature. Are you still emotional wreck? Take your time, learn from the past. And number six is aim for marriage. Now, when I ask people, what is dating? They don't, they can't answer it usually. What is dating? What's the purpose of dating? Who goes on dates? Do, would you and I ever go on a date, Anne? No. Well, right? I mean, aside from your husband, right? I mean, your husband can take you on a quote date. Okay. But what we're, let's say you and I are not married. Oh, okay. okay let's mm -hmm. say you and I are single women. Would you and I go out on a date? Would we be dating each other? No. No, dating is very specific to a romantic relationship between man and woman and the ultimate end of that. And it's everybody's deep desire. And it's what we're made for is marriage. So dating should be less about me looking hot on a Friday night and getting some nice guy to buy me dinner. So I'm not, not sitting home alone. But am I ready for marriage? Do I have what it takes for marriage. Do I desire it rightly? And is this guy marriage potential? And my mom and dad used to call it marriage material. Oh, honey, my dad would say, he goes, he's a very nice guy, but I don't think he's very good marriage material. <laughs> and I knew exactly what he meant. He meant the guy was still immature and not ready to mm -hmm. settle down. He was still very self-focused. So if you're not ready for marriage, if you don't desire marriage, you shouldn't be dating. And sometimes, have you ever heard people say this, Anne? Well, I just want an opposite sex friend. Yeah. What, do, you do you really need an opposite sex friend? Do you? I mean, do, do you think most people, do you think most women really need an opposite sex friend? Well, yeah, I mean, no. No, but do they have them? 
Yeah, yeah. Like I, I'm friends with the Mercedarians. Those yeah. guys are they're all guys. <laughs> I love I love men. I love friendships with men, but there's a very clear distinction that I'm not seeking out their friendships to be my friend so that I can have male friends. Or you don't go out with you have coworkers who are male friends, but there's always this unspoken and sometimes spoken wall or line. There's no romance. There's no sex. There's no other motive like that. The sad thing is, and this is a lot of people argue this, if you're eligible age and you you are both healthy and you try to, a lot of people try to be friends and they can't, there's the natural erotic sexual drive that, that draws people together and God intended it that way. But we don't know what to do with that. We don't know how to keep ourselves protected from that or reserve that. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But um, after divorce, ladies, you don't need a same-sex friend. You need good women friends. If you want a same-sex friend, go talk to your brother, your father, your uncle, maybe your parish priest, your your professor. Um, Or just you don't need it. You think you need it. What you're looking for is validation. And that's really, it's a safe way of saying, I want a man's attention, but I want to protect myself from being used and abused and sucked into a relationship I don't want. So now you're just, again, you're redefining everything and you've put him in 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 a position of just being somebody who's there to make you feel better. Anyway, Good point. I'm, I'm sure if we were having a call-in program right now, the phones would be ringing off. Yes, the they I would. Know that. <laughs> so well, to be continued, maybe we'll do that uh, a whole nother podcast. So aim for marriage. Aimless dating is just a way to use others. It's self-protective. And if, if you're not ready, don't date. Let me ask you, Anne, if I'm a divorced woman and I have my kids and I have my work and I have my friends and I have my church and I travel and I have hobbies how lonely do you think I'm ever really going to get? Well, I mean, in my opinion, I think that when we keep ourselves busy with our gifts and our talents and our work and our families, then your life should be probably full enough, even without anything else. That's exactly right. Some people choose that on purpose. Some people actually choose to do that on purpose and don't seek out those opposite sex friendships. Okay, and that can be really appropriate, especially if you are civilly divorced and you don't have an annulment and mm-hmm. you are preserving and protecting the marriage bond that still exists and you are moving on in a way that is holy and pleasing to God and to your vows. So we, I, you know, we don't need romance and sex to be happy. They're wonderful things that God created and they're ways that we can find happiness, but there is so much more in life. So number seven, don't use others. Mm -hmm. Don't use others to make yourself feel loved again and whole again and desirable again. And, you know, I've heard so many women say that they go out on a date with somebody and they realize he's all hot to trot and he's, and they're just not ready. And they know they should end it but they don't, they go out on another date because they don't want to sit at home next weekend. And he bought dinner, woo, you know, and he looks good and he has, he's a good conversationalist, but how horrible to be using a man like that. And it is using, especially when you know he wants more, he desires more and you don't want to give more or can't give more, then don't, don't, don't go out, learn how to say no say no. And that can be not just in this instance, saying no can be a difficult thing in so many things in life, I think. But it's another way to just exercise your virtue when you learn to say no. Virtue? What is virtue? Do we even need virtue? Yes, that's a a whole nother podcast. Mm -hmm. So don't use other people. Number eight, don't play with fire. Okay, here we go. Buckle up your seatbelts because I'm going there. Don't play with fire, not just sexually, but emotionally. Here's what happens. We know we're supposed to be chased. So 
we just go to church with each other and we worship together and we talk about God together and we go on, you know, missionary work together and we have long, deep conversations, sometimes too fast and too much and too soon. And we spend exclusive time with each other. And maybe even if we have children from our prior marriages, we get the kids together. Now we haven't had sex, so we're being good, but we're also being stupid in a certain sense, because we've already built and bonded emotionally, deep emotional bonds. Marriage is about exclusivity. If you are exclusively spending time with somebody and their kids every weekend or a couple throughout the week, you've already entered into part of marriage, which is exclusivity. You've already entered partly into marriage, which is deep, emotional, intimate conversations, going to church together. Now, am I saying that going, you shouldn't, dating people shouldn't go to church together? No, I'm not saying that. But be careful, especially you women, and men do this too, building deep emotional bonds too fast. Because then that is the lubricant, and I'm using that word deliberately, to, to sexual tension, because God created us that when we have all these other deep emotional bonds and intellectual bonds, and that the full fruit expression of that is the sexual bond. So we're just moving more closely to that if we're not careful about it. The other I thing that- make a comment. Yes, uh, that yes. Rose, thank you so much. I think you made a very, very good point. Um, and, and you know that I'm the adult child of divorce and mm-hmm. have many memories of what that was like growing up. I mean, my, my parents, I've said this on other podcasts, but divorce when I was seven and you made a very good point that when you're getting two people are getting together, not only with their, your kids, but the other person's kids, whatever's going on otherwise, you're right. It does create that sense of what's going to happen next. Right. Right. Well, well, and this is what yes. I've even told my sons, you know, that when you are inappropriate with a woman, it's not just inappropriate. You've already begun marriage. You've already stepped into marriage, but you got one foot in and one foot out. And that was a shocking way for them to understand that certain things belong only in marriage. Because then when you break up with somebody, you're, you're actually going through a divorce because you've bonded so much. And, and I talk about this in, in my work that we build social bonds and financial bonds and sexual bonds and family bonds and, and all kinds of deep bonds. And marriage, the marriage bond is a big one. But sometimes people act married and think married, even though they're not having sex yes at least full-on intercourse but they are playing with fire because it's so hard to pull out of that when it's when it's wrong and then you know you're you're in that deep everybody's kids are getting along you spend every weekend together and guess what he gets really mad and hauls off and backhands you and you're up against the wall now you just have physical abuse if that was on the first or second or third date, you'd end it, right? I hope you would. But now that you've been together and your kids are friends and you go to church together, you overlook it, you minimize it, and you dismiss it. And down a dark path you go. So going playing with fire We get burned, we burn the other person and we burn ourselves and we burn our children in the process. But, and you're, you were there when your parents were divorced. Were you hoping that mom and dad would get back together again? Were you hoping that they would marry again? Well, yeah, you jokingly, I say, as you said, maybe that's a whole other podcast and I don't know whether... (laughs) I don't know whether my family members would appreciate if I shared all of that, but, um, but we'll just say that their divorce was uh, a sudden thing that even I wasn't completely aware of what was happening. And 
uh, you know, it wasn't anything that I was sat down and say, guess what? We're getting divorced. So uh, if that makes any sense. It does. Yes. It, it's, it's difficult. And then, like you said earlier, you're wondering what's going to happen with mom and dad, or if there's somebody else, another adult that comes into the life, what's going to happen with them and why is it happening? So again, the, the issues with the kids are huge and that's a whole nother yes. thing. So here, here's, and this is why I said earlier, get yourself a nice, full, rich life of doing things that you love and that you're good at so that you're not so needy because neediness will drive you into another difficult or, or sinful relationship. And you don't want to do that when you're don't play with fire. Don't here's the other thing too. Don't start dressing seductively and putting yourself in tempting situations. Um, you lose respect for yourself and you lose respect for each other. I, I work with a lot of couples who are dating after divorce and they're having such a tough time. They're trying to take the high road, but they're falling back into old patterns and their eyes are opened. It's very painful. They realize now that they're using each other and it makes them sick. It makes them sick to their stomach. And so now they're conflicted because they have this deep desire for marriage. They always did, but they're walking down a path of sin. It's a horrible place to be. The good thing is with frequent confession, reception of the sacraments, prayer, and a good friend who will call you to the carpet, you can get through that. It's, but it's tough. I think they're wonderful points. And I'm just going back to something I said a little while ago is that there's two different realms here. I mean, we here are Catholic and this is a Catholic podcast and we believe in the sacraments of the church. We believe in following our virtues and in our world, Rose, I'm sure that you've experienced that in the divorce world, aside from Catholicism or Christianity for the most part, although I can't say I'm an expert in every area, but the world says something else about all of that, doesn't it? About two people who are divorced and the fact that now you can have fun. You're divorced, have a great time. Finally, you're free. You know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, so I think the world is giving these different messages which conflict people. And when we recognize that, you know what, we're Catholic and we we take that upon ourselves as a gift, but it also entails being uh, disciplined, right? Disciplined with what we believe, disciplined with knowing that we're following the rules of the church, not because it's a chore, but because it's the right thing to do and because of our relationship with God. Exactly. Okay, but the world is pushing temporal happiness. We are pushing eternal happiness mm -hmm. and a way to start it right here and now. And there's nothing wrong with being happy but there's happiness, lower levels of happiness that we've, we've talked about this before, you know, a cold beer and a new pair of jeans and a, a nice car and a date on a Friday night at a nice restaurant with a nice guy. Those are goods, but they need to be ordered properly and rejected if they're not good. And our goal as Christians, as Catholics is to live a life of virtue. You said it before, because that will open the door to holiness and ultimately true happiness. Amen. And I'm somebody who bought into the lies of the culture for a long time. And I had one foot in the church and one foot in the culture. And it is a horrible place to be. And it was through the grace of God that I was in so much pain in that split position, as it were. Um, have you ever tried to do the splits? I'm thinking now, right now, I'm getting a picture in my mind of trying to do the splits. It would hurt at my age right now, it would kill me. But we're not made to be doing the splits. We're made to have both feet on the ground on the right side of the tracks. And that's, that's what we were made for, and that's what we want. So our faith is really important. So now let's go to number nine. Don't awaken your passions until their time. And do you remember the beautiful erotic love poetry in Song of Songs, Song of Solomon in the yes. Bible? 
it really is so romantic and so passionate. And it's about the love, the deep, deep love of the bridegroom and the bride for each other. And they're engaged, but they haven't yet consummated their marriage. And they, oh, their desire is so deep and so burning and so beautiful. And the churches always use this not only as actual love between a man and woman, but the desire that Christ has for us, his bride. So, and it's a beautiful image of marriage. And there's a place in there where the daughters uh, call out to the young bride and they say, don't awaken your passions before their time. And this is what we've been talking about. If you bond too closely and you're dressing seductively and you're too anxious or needy, your passions, your deep desires are going to be driving the bus. They're going to be in charge of you and not you in charge of them. I would say our, our desires should be like, either, do you have a, any pets? Do you have a dog or anything? We have two cats. Okay. <laughs> cats are pretty good. Dogs, sometimes you have to put on a leash because they get pretty excited and they run around and they try to control you. I have a neighbor her dog is insane. And everybody says, get rid of him, get rid. But she loves her dog, right? He is on a leash morning, noon, and night because he is always like leaping out at flies and cars and people and he can't control himself. So she has to constantly control himself with this leash. And one time he knocked her to the ground. He's so strong. And she's, she had, you know, she had to go get training and it's like, man, I would not want to live that life with my passions. My passions always driving me and pulling me into sin and pulling me into other difficult, painful, horrible situations. So, but that's what we have to do. If we don't have the gift of self-control and we're letting our passions lead us, we're going to be exhausted and we're going to, we're going to fall on our face. So Here's what I'd say to everybody, men or women, and don't watch erotic movies. Don't read erotic books. Don't masturbate. These are just ways of us trying to satisfy our own deep desires. And the desires are good. The desires are good, just like a dog is good, but the dog can't be running out in the street or jumping up and down in the house or knocking down your friend's toddlers. Your passions have to be under control. That's what they were made for. And that's where they are holy and that's where they are good. Otherwise they are controlling you, they are blinding you, they are exhausting you and they are harming and hurting other people. So it's tough to hear. It's tough to hear these words, but I'm somebody who's been there and I ignored the church teaching and I rationalized why it was just a bunch of old celibate men in Rome. And they, what do they know about happiness and love and sex and romance? You know, well, I, they know a lot. So That's right. we have to listen. We have to listen to the wisdom that God, that Jesus has given us through the church. That's Don't, great points, Rose. And I think, uh, Part of what we do with our foundation is also, and it is on our website as well, is just information to teach you why pornography is, is an evil and that we do need to keep our eyes open because there's a lot of things in our society now, even on uh, our phone apps and, and even soft porn that's presented in commercials and different things too. And just to be careful for all of that because uh, it's everywhere anymore. And um we do have to be alerted to that and, and know that it is wrong. And the church does call that out too. So, right. But not just because it is an evil and it's wrong because it actually does something to us. It mm. blinds us. It, it, it imprisons us. It keeps us actually, it keeps us from getting to where we, we really want to go. And like little kids, you know, our mom and dad issue orders and we don't understand them. So we go, well, they just don't want us to have any fun. Um, and, and there's a lot of immaturity in the way we see things and the way we think about our faith. Um, and that's hopefully at the St. Raymond and Otis foundation, we're creating a place of trust 
where we can be like mothers and fathers who love you and care about you and your families. We want you to be happy. Mm-hmm. If it's appropriate, we want you to have good marriages. If in marriage, we want you to even have good sex. We want you to express your love for one another the way God intended. But sexual passion is like fire. And I've heard this said a long time ago by, by an evangelical in the 80s, Tony Evans, Dr. Tony Evans. And he said, sex is like fire. He goes, it's great in the fireplace, in the, in the confines of marriage and the safety. And then it's, it's a warm glow, right? But when it's crawling up the curtains in your house and about to burn the house down, it's, it'll kill you. So our passions will lead us into sinful places and burn us up and others in the process. So desire for love and dating and romance and marriage and sex, those are good desires that God gave us, but they need to be in proper order in the right time and the right place and on a leash. On a leash. On a leash. Thank you, Rose. So that that's number nine. So here's number 10. And uh, let's just read these over quickly before we get to number 10. Number one, begin with the end in mind. Number two, get your annulment. Number three, take your emotional temperature. Are you ready? Number four, take your time. Number five, learn from your past. Number six, aim for marriage, not just spinning around the dating circle. Number seven, don't use others. Number eight, don't play with fire, emotional and sexual. Number nine, don't awaken your passions until their time. And then number 10 is flee immorality. This is from 1 Corinthians 6.18. And what that means is run like hell from sin. Bottom line. Run, run forest. We, when we sit around and we think about it and we contemplate and we dilly dally and we rationalize, the longer we sit there, the deeper into sin we will fall. And when we smell it and we sense it and we know it, we need to just get up, say our goodbyes, and end it. I will never forget a guy I dated. He, I met him at church. Hey, that's supposed to be good, right? Okay. So I met him at church. He went to mass. He was so handsome. I'll never forget when the first time I met him, I was standing right next to him and he had on a leather jacket and he had this awesome cologne and this, I could smell the leather. And he, I was like, oh my God, I was just being taken away into this romantic desire. And I was like, wow this guy's awesome. So, but then I collected myself and we went out on, on a few dates and everything seemed to be fine until all of a sudden he made it very clear that he wanted to take me away for the weekend and go to a hotel and do things. And I was like, no, I wanted you to be a good one. I wanted you to be holy. Oh no, you're so handsome. (laughs) You know? So I knew what I had to do. And on the phone, I said, I can't ever see you again. And he's like, what? That's kind of extreme. I said, man, man, oh man. I even, I think I even said that. Why couldn't you just be what I thought you were? I said, I can't see you ever again. Anyway, in a few short minutes, and I knew I shouldn't stay on the phone too long because he talked me out of it some way. I just said goodbye and I and then I forced myself to hang up the phone. I sat there in silence. I was in shock that I had done it. And then I threw myself on my bed and I was like, oh my God, that was horrible, but I did it. I did it. And all of a sudden, even though I was sad, I was also filled with such peace because it was almost like Jesus was standing there going, good girl. I sent you my grace, you took it, and you ran with it. Good girl. You did the right thing. I'm so proud of you. I love you so much. 
And it was easier after that. It was easier for me to say no to an attempting situation because I know how free and good it feels to take the high path. It's hard. It's difficult. But man, it is worth it. So flee immorality. Right, Anne? Yes. I lo- I'm smiling because I love <laughs> that story and I'm imagining you. And I think you did a wonderful thing. And, and you proved something not just to yourself, but God was watching and God gave you that affirmation too. He did. And that was a consolation. And, you know, and not every time when you do the right thing, do you hear bells ringing and angels singing, you know, you don't, you just do it anyway. But every once in a while, when you really, really need it, God will come through for you. And um, you, he will give you those little affirmations and those little those little encouragements, they're consolations. They're called consolations. And yeah, that's uh, beautiful. It's all good. This is, it's wonderful to be a Catholic and taking the high path is totally, totally worth it. Well, I want to say also that most of the people who listen to this podcast are people who are affected by divorce and separation, but sometimes we get people who are just curious and they want to learn or they like, they like your ministry or they're a friend of the foundation So I think that what you just said, that message can go for anyone. Um, And especially I'm thinking of young adults that are not married yet, right? Because doesn't it also apply to them as well? You know, it applies. Yes. Young and old. And trust Mm -hmm. me, we old people still have passions. (laughs) (laughs) It may not look like it from the outside, but you know, we got fire in our belly. So um, God is there for, for all of us, no matter our age or our state in life. He, he wants us to be, he wants us to be happy, but he's got a definition of happiness that's different than the world's. Mm, Good way to put it. Mm -hmm. I love the 10 points. I think they were amazing, Rose. Uh, Thank you for this great podcast this time around. Is it okay if, if you don't mind, I'd like to put in a plug also for a conference that's coming up on this topic. Yes. Right? And it will, this podcast will air before the conference. So if you're listening, uh, the St. Raymond Anatas Foundation is sponsoring a conference through smartcatholics.com called Catholic Dating. And it's going to be the weekend of February 13th and 14th. Uh, it is uh, $25 to sign up. What you're getting for that $25, though, is a full weekend conference with speakers, with opportunities to meet other Catholics, prayer. Uh, It's really going to be a wonderful conference. In fact, one of our Mercedarian friars, I believe, will also be part of it, uh, Father Daniel Bowen. Oh, he's wonderful. Yes. Yeah, he's great. He's great. I hope he wears his Saturno. (laughs) (laughs) No, he, he's wonderful. And Smart Catholics is a right on wonderful group uh, mm. and, and a fabulous place to get great Catholic content. They really are. It's, and it's a wonderful mm. community that they're building there. It's not just about listening to a speaker and then just walking away. I mean, there's a lot of uh, opportunity to dialogue, a lot of opportunity to meet new people, uh, people who care about their faith, right? So if you go to smartcatholics.com, go to the events page and you'll see Catholic dating. And if you're listening to this podcast um, after the event, you can still be a part of the community even after February 13th and 14th. So just to keep that in mind. It's never too late to join Mm smartcatholics.com. It's a wonderful people. It's a growing community. And I'm glad the St. Raymond Nanatis Foundation is part of it. I, I think it's great. It's a good partnership. Yeah, we're excited because even though the foundation is really focused on the whole idea of Catholic divorce, uh, you know, Catholics affected by divorce and also families in crisis, we have a heart for evangelization, especially when it comes to educating people on the sacraments. And in this case, the importance of holy matrimony. So with that's a nice segue into let me give a little pitch for one of my books, The Catholic Woman's Guide Mm -hmm. to Romance which is perfect for February as well. And I take a deep dive into what romance really is. And I tie it into the holy sacrifice of the mass. There is a wedding going on at every mass. 
So get the book to find out the deep and wonderful, beautiful mysteries that God has for us in the areas of love, sex, marriage, and romance, the Catholic woman's guide mm-hmm. to romance at my website, rosesweet.com. I can't recommend Rose enough. She ha- is a wonderful author. Uh, please do go to rosesweet.com. I also want to mention that she does personal appointments as a uh, faith coach. I believe that's the word that we use a faith coach. And so you can connect with her and make that appointment. So encouraging you to do that. Thank you, Anne. It's always good to be here. And I love working with you too. Thank you. So we're in the middle of this series. We're coming back again the first Tuesday of next month in March. So keep an eye on this channel. And if you haven't subscribed yet to our YouTube channel, you're here. It's Philly Nonatus. And if I would ask you if you could please also like our Facebook page at St. Raymond Onatus Foundation. We're also on LinkedIn, we're on Twitter, so and on Instagram. So please do connect with the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation. Thanks, Anne. God bless you and talk to you next time. Yes, talk to you everyone next time. Thank you and God bless. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about the St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation, visit nonatus.org or email director.srnf at gmail.com. Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network invite you to discover your mission. A brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month, you will receive a personal monthly mission, including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry today. Did you enjoy this podcast? Listen to other podcasts from Patchwork Heart Ministry by following Patchwork Heart Radio wherever you listen to podcasts.